Hey, everybody. This is John Arman with Ultimate Outdoor Adventures TV, and you're listening to the Shields Outdoor Podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Shields Outdoors Podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and today we're talking turkey hunting. With me is John Arman of the North Dakota-based TV show, Ultimate Outdoor Adventures. John is no stranger to spring gobblers, and today we're going to pick his brain on strategies, setups, and why turkey hunting is so fun. John, thank you for joining us today. Can you provide a little background on yourself and how you got into turkey hunting? Well, first off, I'd like to thank you, Mike, for having me on this podcast. Turkey hunting has been something that over the years I've gotten more and more into it. When we were kids, we used to kind of run and gun and, and have fun, but with the you know, the popularity of turkey hunting coming and just calling them in and doing the things like that. I have really gotten into it in the last 10, 15 years and I love doing it. And it's been a big part of our show. You know, not a lot of people like to watch turkey hunts, uh, but I do like going out and um, shooting them and having, um, you know, the table fair is absolutely awesome. So I just have a good time getting out in the springtime and I love doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm almost in the exact same boat because like I'd see turkey hunting shows on TV and it's like, okay, that's all right. You know, I just, I just never really got into it until probably like six or seven years ago. I just decided, okay, I'm sick and tired of being cooped up all winter. I want to, I want a reason to get out in the spring. I mean, I love shed hunting, but I want to actually like hunt something. So I tried turkey hunting for the first time and I was just absolutely hooked ever since. It is. It's something I've uh, have some friends from South Carolina, and they used to tell me all about it. And down south, turkey hunting is almost as or more um, of a pastime than deer hunting. I mean, these people they shut down their schools for turkey hunting, and I could never understand it because as kids, you know, we'd go out and we would you know, we'd basically hunt them like pheasants. We'd kick them up, we'd shoot them, we'd shoot them on the ground with the shotguns, and we we didn't know any better. And once I started calling these birds in, it is something that you've just got to do it because I've said that as a big whitetail hunter, you will shake in your boots, having a big old Tom Turkey coming in, strutting and gobbling just like you would when a big uh, buck comes strolling by. So getting out there and trying it, you know, the springtime is absolutely amazing. You know, we've been cooped up, like you said, all winter, and you start to see, you know, the world come alive again. The birds are back, the squirrels, everything is, is livening up and those birds are coming in and it's just a blast. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, you know, I, th I think turkey hunting gets a little bit of a bad rap because so many people see them, whether it's like on the side of their road or walking out to a mailbox. It's like, man, those are just, you know, dumb birds. I mean, how hard can it be? But, you know, you actually go out into their element and try and hunt them and try and call them into a specific spot. Like, it's no easy task. No, it's not. I've always said if turkeys had a nose like a whitetail, we'd be having chicken for Thanksgiving dinner because <laughs> their eyesight is second to none. And they're a very wary, a wary animal because of the predators that are in the air, you know, the avian predators. 
the coyotes and birds or the thing, the coyotes and different things on the ground. So these guys are always on edge and getting out into their element. It's not as easy as a guy thinks because you do see them off the side of the road, especially in North Dakota. They're not pressured and you see them all the time. So you don't think they're going to be that difficult, you know, to go out and kill. But in all reality, when you do it the right way and you try to set up on them, call them in, you know, sometimes it works and a lot of times it doesn't. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. They they just have a razor sharp vision and you, and you said it's so great. Like if they had a nose like a deer, I don't, I have no idea how you'd even be able to kill them. No, it's, it's kind of funny because I don't know, I'm sure you've been in a tree stand before when they you know happen to come walking by, um, when you're deer hunting in the fall and if you flinch, if you move, man, matter of fact, if you just look at them a little bit, they pick you off because their eyesight is absolutely amazing because of the way their, their eyes are in their head. I mean, they can basically see 180 degrees, you know, on each side. So those eyes see in front and they see all the way back around them. So like you said, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a tough um, little critter to go after sometimes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's kind of a nice segue into like what you need for a turkey hunt. So, what, uh, what do you all have in your pack and what are you bringing out into the woods or to your field edge when you're doing a turkey hunt? Well, you know, one of the, the nice things about turkey hunting, I've said, as far as people getting into it, it's not very expensive. Um, you don't need a lot of equipment. Matter of fact, a lot of times when I go out in the field, you may, I may have in my pack, you know, a couple calls. The calls aren't expensive. Um, a couple decoys. And again, decoys are like anything in the world as hunters. You can go from the bottom, which costs you nineteen, you know, nineteen ninety nine, or you can go all the way up to a hundred to two hundred dollar decoys. And what I've learned over the years is, sometimes we give turkeys a lot of credit and and that they're a really smart animal. But I've killed as many turkeys using, you know, nineteen ninety nine decoys as I have my own decoys as you know expensive decoys. So going out there, you really don't need a lot, you know. More than anything, you just need some patience, a little bit of know-how, and um, you can have a good hunt. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, one one thing I have learned in my in my years turkey hunting is like they are a complex animal. They're difficult to figure out. You, you know, like they you can pattern them to a certain extent. Sometimes you can get them real dialed. Sometimes you can't. But like when things go south, you need to remember like the turkey does have a brain the size of a pea. So you, you can outsmart them. You just have to have to have that mentality. Like you are on the top of the food chain. You can do this. <laughs> yeah. And I've said, I always say that turkeys, you know, sometimes I think they're so stupid, they're smart. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is that we put so much time and effort into it, trying to outthink them. And basically they're just a bird and they're just trying to survive. So a lot of times you have this elaborate plan and it doesn't work and you're thinking what did i do wrong what did i do wrong well you really didn't do anything wrong the turkey just decided to go left when you thought he was going to go right or he may not have seen your decoys or heard your calls i think a lot of guys put so much emphasis that they're a bad caller um, that they don't have the right setup but i think a lot of times it's just the mood that turkey happens to be in and whether or not he um, happens to see your decoy or hear i don't think it's always how good a caller you are and what kind of decoy setup you have is just sometimes a little bit of luck. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of luck involved into it. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about finding birds. So what is, what is your thoughts on strategy for, for locating birds? 
Well, for us in North Dakota, I've said it's it, it's relatively easy. When we look at the terrain we have, you guys out east versus us out west, it's kind of the same thing. There's not a lot of trees. And the one thing that turkeys need, they need trees, they need water, and they need food. And, they, you know, you're looking for these roosting trees, bigger trees along rivers, places like that. So for me out west, we don't have a lot of trees. There's certain cottonwood trees that these turkeys are almost there every single year. They roost in the same places. So going out to um, in areas where there's farm yards, looking for big trees, shelter belts, things like that, uh, most of the time you're going to find these birds hanging around farm yards and places like that because of the grain and the haystacks and things like that. But again, just putting a little time and effort going around talking to some of the farmers and ranchers, uh, you're going to find out that a lot of these farmers and ranchers are going to be very helpful for turkeys because they really don't like them because they make such a mess in their yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I found that, you know, like I, I don't have access to a ton of land. I mean, there's a couple of spots that like my parents own and things like that. But, you know, if, if you're really respectful and go door to door knocking, like you can gain some very valuable information. You can likely get some new hunting spots. You just have to, you know, put in a little bit of effort. You do. And I am a firm believer in that. I think that one of the things that has hurt us um, as time has gone on is that hunter landowner relationship. Um, Being a landowner myself, it's kind of crazy how I've had property for quite some years and have had very few people stop by to ask us to hunt. And I've always wondered about that. But I think some people are just nervous about it and other people just don't want to put that effort into it. And one of the great things about turkeys is that there's not a lot of pressure and it's not such a valuable, I guess, commodity as like a deer would be or, you know, some of these other big game animals. And if you stop in, talk to them, a lot of times you can get access and that access may, you know, carry over when you build that relationship with them after a couple of years with turkeys, you might get access to pheasant hunting or even deer hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like it kind of reminds me of like a spot I hunt a lot in North Dakota. You know, I I knew I had a buddy whose whose relatives had land in a spot that I had seen turkeys. So I ended up getting access there. It wasn't the greatest spot. The turkeys weren't there very often, but you know, I ended up going down to like a neighbor and talking with them and, you know, I gained access one year and I I ended up bringing my daughter out. And now like every year we'll head to their place and just have a nice sit down conversation and the kids will get a lot more candy than they need and, and you know, just have a great relationship with them now. And it all started like being willing to go out and ask. Exactly. And like you said, when you were mentioning your kids, you know, one great thing about turkey hunting is it's during the time of year when the weather is starting to warm up, you use a ground blind a lot of times and it is a great time to get kids out in the outdoors. It was the way that I cut um, my kids' teeth into hunting when they were five years old. You know, they were with me in the blind and, and they enjoyed it. And One thing I tell dads or moms or whoever's taking the kids out, just remember it's about them. It's not about killing the animal at that time. You get those kids in the blind and I remember my kids would start goofing around and I get so upset thinking I'm not going to kill anything and I wanted to kill something so bad having them there. But they were having just as much fun playing around in the blind as they did if I would have killed something anyway. So it's a great time to get them out there and give them some exposure to the outdoors. 
Yeah, I will agree with you 100% on that. Like I, I've got a six-year-old daughter now and I've had her in the blind a few times and that's that's some of my absolute best memories. And the best thing with, you know, bringing them out for turkey instead of deer is like turkey season, you can make it so it's definitely warmer, nicer, easier to be out. And they don't have to be so still or so quiet, especially if you're in a blind. Like you can hand them the box call and they can make some squawks. And, and you know, it's, yeah. it's really not going to hurt your odds that it, much. It isn't. And like I said, it's kind of funny because I know the guys – <clears throat> excuse me, from down south, make fun of me. Um, a lot of times I call birds in with my mouth, with no call whatsoever. And I don't sound that great, but the turkeys really don't care. And that's with kids. You give them a slate call. Um, some of the calls, like they have at Shields, I know that um, the HS um, cookie cutter, is one that has a cutout on it, and it tells you exactly how to use your slate. And so you give that to a kid or a beginner, and they start hitting that, it doesn't take long and they're going to get a bird, you know, that's going to hammer back at them. And when your child is the one running the call and they hear a gobble come back, it's something else um, oh, yeah. to lay your eyes on. Cause their eyes will just light up when they hear that bird. Oh, absolutely. I remember the first time my daughter Mia was in the blind with me and we had a bunch of turkeys gobble and her eyes were like saucers. It was just ridiculous. It was so it, fun. It is. It is fun because like I said, I've, had my daughter, and I remember one time a bird came in quiet behind us and was right behind us, and I could hear him spitting and drumming, and all of a sudden he just hammered. And Shelby, uh, my daughter, about um, jumped out of the blind, but it was something to, like I said, I'll never forget that experience of having her in the blind with me. And my son, the same thing. They always had a great time turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, let's dive a little bit more into like the strategy portion of this. Uh, you know, I got a couple of questions for you specifically on, on decoys. You know, you mentioned like you don't have to have the most expensive, but you know, like it can be helpful. You like, how does your, how does your strategy on decoys vary throughout the season? I'm thinking like numbers and numbers of decoys, posture, things like that. Well, you know, what I usually do is I carry around, a, you know, a bag full of them. I've got, I've got some fold-up ones, you know, and I have made some with real turkey fans and a little bit of everything. And it seems like you kind of just you kind of get out there and see what the turkeys are doing. Last year, I had one of my most aggressive years ever. And I was using, I run a feeding hen and I run um, just a stand-up regular hen. And then I have a Jake that's kind of in a half strut. And he doesn't have any real tail feathers or anything like that. It just looks like he's in half of a strut. And that poor decoy got just hammered last year. And it was just one of those years, no matter where I set up or how I set up, those toms came in and went straight for that um, Jake and they hammered on him. So I just kind of read the script and what they're doing. You know, it doesn't always work, but most of the time I'm going to run a couple hens and I'm going to run a Jake decoy that's in a half strut. Mm -hmm. And I'll agree with you on that setup too. I, I personally use that for most of the season. And the reason why I like a Jake decoy, especially a half strut Jake is because most turkeys are not afraid of that. Like if you bring out a full strut, big Tom, like sometimes the, you know, the less dominant ones are not really gonna, you know, like they'll be a little afraid to come in. They like to hang up a lot, but like with that half strut Jake, most turkeys like, 
if you're in a, if you see a bunch of Jake's coming, they're generally in a group. Or if like you have Tom's, they're going to feel like they're a little bit more dominant that and be more apt to come in versus, you know, hanging up at 75 yards. And everybody that's turkey hunting knows that's about one of the most painful things in the world is when you see a great, big, beautiful Tom sitting strutting at 75 to 100 yards and just won't commit. Yeah. And, and like I said, and it does happen quite a bit. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, for me, I'm bow hunting most of the time. So when I set up, you know, my setup that I use is those three decoys. I will almost always have the, um, Jake decoy, you know, facing out. So that if the Tom sees him, he thinks it's kind of a challenge or he's looking at him and he's going to come in. And I have those decoys about 12 yards from my blind because I know bow hunting it's a small vital with turkeys and the closer I can get them. I'm the guy that whether it's rifle hunting, shotgun, um, whatever it is, I like the top 10, the closer, the better. Mm -hmm, And I've had a lot of success with that setup. And again, it doesn't make a difference to me. It seems like no matter what time of the year it is work for me. And I've had the other times, like you said, using that, um, full strut decoy where those birds will hang up and they're not so aggressive. And I've even had that where I've had a group of Jake's run off the Tom. So even with Tom, Jake decoys, sometimes you get some of these Toms that just aren't as tough as the other ones and they'll hang up also. So I just kind of play it by ear and trial and error and just keep going after them. And hopefully it works. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for people on, on dealing with hung up birds like that? Well, you know, again, what I like to do a lot of times I had last year, I had some birds that just would not commit. And I ended up setting up one morning. They didn't come in. They wouldn't even get close to me. They stayed out at 100, 200 yards. I was leaving the area and I was just locking up the gate to the property that I had access to. I looked back and they were working their way along the river. So I thought, you know what? I can't quit. I'm going to get back down there. Got set up once again. And what I did is I just got in their way. I, I tried to figure out which way they're going to be coming through, what um, path they were going to take. <clears throat> Excuse me. I set my decoys up and I really didn't call a lot. And I just left, uh, did a couple calls, the hens called back and I kind of cut them off. The toms weren't saying anything, but I was in their path. And as soon as the hens started walking by, the Jake's or the, excuse me, the Tom saw my decoy set up and they peeled off and came right to them. So a lot of times if I get birds that are hung up, I may kind of regroup, come in from another way and just kind of see which way they're feeding and set up and try to get in their way so that they see those decoys and then maybe, you know, they'll come in. Yeah. There, there is a lot to be said about just, you know, coming at it from a different angle, taking a different perspective and being in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. I've had, I've had situations like that too, where they're just hung up and, you know, it just, you can feel it that, you know, this probably isn't going to happen. So if you have the ability to, you know, back out of your blind and, you know, flank them from a different direction and, and get set up in an area where, you know, they think they're naturally going to gravitate to, it's probably going to be good in that situation. And, you know, one, one other thing I'd like to add to that is if you have the ability to use like a reaping decoy, one you can walk behind, that can be mm-hmm. absolutely lethal in those situations too. It is because then you're getting in, I always say you get into their bubble. You know, a lot of times these turkeys, you know, they got a bubble and they just don't get inside your bubble. You're not inside their bubble. And that's with the reaping or setting up your decoys in a different place. If you 
can set up where they come around a corner and all of a sudden you're inside their bubble, they, that upsets them. And then they start coming in. And again, what I tell people is that, you know, don't give them too much credit. Just, you know, put a little effort into it. And you may set up 10 different times and have zero results, but all of a sudden that 11th time, it's like something triggered them. You don't know what it is. You've set up the same way and they're going to come in and they're going to hammer your decoys and you get that shot. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's an, that's another reason why I think turkey hunting is so fun. You know, it can just, it's never the same experience every time you go out there. You know, you can, you can think you have the best laid plan and they'll do something completely different or you can go out and you have like almost no expectations and then things work perfectly. It is. And like I said, I think that they're not as smart as a guy really wants them to be, or at least here in North Dakota, because I know the guys down tell us, it's amazing how smart those birds are, but it's because they are pressured all the time. And mm-hmm. up here, you know, I would say, you know, I don't even know what a percentage would be of the hunters that hunt turkeys up here actually call them in versus doing, you know, just going out and bushwhacking them and shooting them. So when there's not a lot of people putting pressure on them, you have a better chance of, you know, being successful. And one of the things I tell people a lot, especially out here in the West is turkeys are going to pitch out of a tree and they're either going to go right or they're going to go left. And it's kind of a simple saying, but they do a circle. And the birds I watch, they do the same circle every day. They end up in the same spots at the same times. And, you know, running trail cameras seems kind of silly, but you can put trail cameras on, you know, say a dirt field and you're going to find areas where the, you know, the hens are dusting themselves. And almost every day they're up there at the same time. And our birds do these circles. And that's what I do a lot of times is I set up in that path. And then I don't have to be a world champion caller because they're going to come in, they're going to see the decoy, or maybe just, you know, you can get their attention by throwing a few calls out there and you're going to be in the right spot. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I do that same thing too with, with turkey hunting. That's, that's kind of one of my, one of my tips here is like the, trail cameras can be very effective when planning your turkey hunts, especially cellular ones. Like I, I have this one property where it's next to a river and it pinches real tight. And these turkeys, they they seem to be on like a two to four day circle pattern. Like they won't roost mm-hmm. in the same tree every time they'll, they'll roost. They roost there quite often, but it's usually not back to back days. So what I, so what I've done is I've set this, this cellular camera on this pinch point And whenever, whenever they're on that camera, they're roosting in that area. And then I know, okay, that's the data set up on that property because I know they're going to be there and they're almost guaranteed to come back through that pinch when they're done because there's a little, there's a little strut zone and then there's the roost trees and then they go out to go about their business. So it's like, remember that trail cameras can be a very effective tool when it comes to turkey hunting. Yes, they, they can. And, and that's, like I said, I've, I've used them quite frequently and I've had a great time and great success with them because it tells me what, you know, what time of the day. And my problem with turkey hunting is, is that I get hung up sometimes because I'm turkey hunting, but I'm also farming and trying to get food plots in. So some days I don't want to spend too much time turkey hunting because I'm thinking I got to get work done. But that's where those trail cameras come in. They'll tell me that at 11 o'clock, this Tom has been up in this field because the hens are on their nest, you know, or they have gone somewhere and he's coming through looking for love. And that tells me that that's my time to be up there and have my decoy set up up there. And, you know, with the season, the way it goes, you know, early, 
everybody wants to get out early. And I tell people it can be, it can be a little stressful early because they're all hand up and most of the birds have not been bred and they all stick together. So sometimes it's hard pulling those toms away, but we've also had great success during that time. And one of the times that I like, you know, more than ever hunting is about halfway through to the end of the season, you have a lot of your hens that are already on their nest. They stay on their nest. So there's less hens out there and the toms are looking for the hens they haven't bred. So you can get out there and your competition is a little bit less and you have those birds looking for um, a hand. So you have a better chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've had that same thing happen in my turkey hunting too. It's like you go out early, chances are you're going to be, you're either not on the birds or when you are on the birds, there's a whole bunch of them. So it's difficult to, to deal with all the eyes. But if you're, if you're in that right spot, if you've patterned them, it can be, it can be a wicked fun hunt, but then you get, you get towards into late season. And I've noticed they've been just a little more receptive to calls, especially in areas where they don't get like absurd hunting pressure. You know, like if turkeys have been hammered and called at every day for like a month and a half, then that's extremely difficult. But if you get to some of these spots that have less pressure and then a lot of the turkeys, a lot of the hens have been bred, then that's kind of that perfect recipe where you can see some really good, really good success and receptiveness to your calling. It is. And like I said, it's, it's one of those deals that I love getting out there. I I think about it. I'm not a big morning person. You know, um, and getting up at four o'clock can be kind of tough at times, boy. But when you get out there and you start hearing the woods come alive and you hear those birds, you know where they're roosted, you, you know, and I try to get within 100 yards of them and they're hammering up in the trees and you can hear them pitch down. And you've got, um, you know, the morning does all the, the, the birds that are chirping. I mean, it is an awesome time to be out there. Mm -hmm. It it truly is. I mean, we can talk here till we're blue in the face of how awesome it is, but it's something you really got to get out there and experience. And especially when you're like, you, you've found or roosted a group of birds and you get yourself set up in the morning. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you throw out your first call and then you have three or four different groups of turkeys in different positions, like all around you start sounding off. Then it gets crazy. It is. And and like I said, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's something like you said, you know, for me, you know, springtime is all about turkeys, food plots, and then trying to get out bear hunting, you know, just because we have been cooped up all winter long here in North Dakota. It's been a long, you know, no matter, even if we have an easy winter and our, our winters are a little bit easier than you guys, it seems like out there, you guys still have a lot of snow and it is, it's tough sometimes being in North Dakota because, you know, of the weather. So when spring comes around and you got something that you can get out chasing, it's a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've talked a little bit about calling, but we haven't really discussed any certain strategies. Can you dive a little bit into your, your strategy on calling and, and, you know, maybe if it varies throughout the season? Well, for me, like I said, I am not by any means a, a world champion, let alone state champion, let alone any champion of calling. I've just what I have learned about turkeys is I try to mimic them. And so when I'm out there, I use a slate call a lot. I like just the sounds I get from it. Um, I've used a, a diaphragm call, but it doesn't sound to me as good as I, you know, I can on a slate call. So a lot of the times what I'm doing is if I hear a hen squawking and she's out there, I cut the hen off and I try to do the exact same thing she's doing. And it's kind of amazing how you can tell when you get a, a hen upset 
she will start coming to you because there's something new in her area or you're just talking back to her. I don't know what it is, but when she starts coming in, a lot of times she brings the toms in. So what I try to do is, is I try to cut them off. I, I try to, I listen for the hens. I try to repeat what they're saying. And it seems like that has been my highest success rate has been early season is that she'll bring the toms in behind them because the toms are going to follow those hens wherever they go. And they're not split up yet. So that's what I try to do with my slate call. And then as the season goes on, um, again, um, I had a great hunt down on the reservation a couple of years ago. I was running and gunning. I, I couldn't find the birds. I finally spotted the birds. I got down in the bottoms and I made one call and the, the Tom just hammered me. And I didn't get, I mean, and he came on a full run. I didn't get time to set up the blind. I got two decoys set up hunkered down behind a tree and I really didn't have to call one more time. And it was one of those deals that you just get the right bird at the right time. And I was able to kill that bird, you know, from sitting behind a tree with my bow with no blind and was probably one of my most memorable hunts. And again, the stars kind of lined up, didn't do anything that was exceptional, just kind of read the birds and what they wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is so much to reading the birds. Like, if they're not very vocal, it's probably not a good idea to be just calling like crazy all the time. And, you know, if you see if you see a tom with three hens out there, I mean, good luck getting it to leave those three hens to go find new ones. So, like, you're going to want to talk to that hens or that hen or those hens, you know, bring them in and they're in turn going to bring that tom to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I guess if I had any advice for anybody is one of the things, whether it's elk hunting um, when you're deer hunting, using a grunt call, when you're goose hunting or all these calls, we have a tendency to just keep blowing on them and keep, you know, creep, just keep hammering at them. And what I have found is less is more. And I think that's what you're looking for is throw out a few calls, get a response. If you get a response, just play the bird and what they're doing with you. And a lot of times I may call. I get them to talk and then I move real quick and I try to get closer and then I may call again. So it sounds like it's coming from different places instead of just setting up in one place. It kind of gives the illusion that I'm a bird and I'm moving and they have, you know, they'll have a tendency, you know, maybe to come and check you out more than when you're just in a stationary spot. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, turkeys move around a lot. It makes sense to, uh, to, to call from different locations or even, you know, like get yourself set up, you know, move out of the blind, move 50 yards, fire a call off, get yourself back into the blind. You know, you, you probably want to bring your weapon with you just in case they are coming in. But I mean, that's, (laughs) that's one thing you can definitely do to, to kind of fool those turkeys. Yes, and and then another little bit of advice is don't be in such a hurry to get out of your blind and go look over the hill because I'm that guy sometimes. I'll get set up. I know the birds exactly where they're at. They'll pitch down, and they won't say a word. And then I'm thinking, okay, they went the other way. How long am I going to sit here? So what do I do? I get out, peek up over the ridge, and they're coming right to me. There I am sitting out without my bow, (laughs) without anything, and watch them walk into my decoys in front of my blind. And so, you know, sometimes patience is, well, patience is always a virtue. And a lot of times turkey hunting, don't, don't be afraid to sit there a little bit longer than you would maybe do it because there's been a lot of times that I have moved 
And when I go set up in another spot, I look back and those birds were exactly where I was last at. Mm -hmm. Yep. For the people listening to this spoken from experience on both ends here, be a little patient. (laughs) It will pay off for you. It is. And, And again, like I said, it's, it's funny. Sometimes I overthink the turkeys big time. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? Did I have the wrong setup? Was I calling too much, too little? And a lot of the times it, it is just whether it's, you know, luck that you create or just the luck of the draw. Depends on what that bird wants to do that day, but don't give up because like I said, the great thing about them is I don't think they have a great long-term memory. And so if you do goof up, you can kind of, you know, collect your stuff and, and move to a different area and give them an hour or two and, and set back up on them. And you can hunt the birds all day long. That's the great thing about them. They're kind of like antelope. You get to see them all day long. You get to hunt them all day long. It's not just a morning hunt and an evening hunt. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I've had some of my best success on that, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock time frame when those, you know, when those hens are on their, you know, on their nest and those toms are out looking for love, looking for a new bird. Yep, absolutely. Like I said, I, I, I'd have to look back, but I'd say a lot of my birds are killed in that 10 o'clock to noon because those, you know, like I said, the hens, from what I understand, and I tried to research this, is that once they're bred, they lay on their nest and they don't come off of it. Um, so, you know, I was always under understanding every night they go back up the roost, but they stay on that nest all until they all hatch. And so as hens start going, you know, they get bred and the eggs are incubated and they're on that nest, then you have less hens. And a lot of times the hens that are still walking around, they may go off and just go off by themselves or kind of give the, that um, Tom a cold shoulder. And it seems like that midday is when he's getting the cold shoulder and he's like, okay, I've been following you guys around for about three, four hours and nothing's happening. So I'm going to go look for something else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good advice there. So, uh, you know, Hey, to close this up, I would like to hear your all time favorite Turkey hunting story. Do you have one of those for us? Oh gosh. Let me think. So, well, I can just go, I can tell you my all time worst season ever. It was last year. So it kind of all comes together. I do a lot of turkey hunting, almost all of it with my bow. And I preach about setting up decoys. I preach about picking your spot. Opening weekend, I was with my good friend, Levi Nelson. And we set up in the morning, nothing happened. That evening, we set up in a different spot. And we had four, I think it was four or five of the ugliest toms I've ever seen. Between the five birds, they didn't have one complete fan. (laughs) But again, I'm not picky. And I just kept talking to Levi. We're filming it. I said, you sure you're focused? You on him? You on him? You on him? Well, he was focused, but apparently I wasn't focused. I shot the bird and I hit him about an inch low. And you're talking at eight yards, an inch low. He was facing me. So I just went right to his breast. He hopped up, went out about at 20 yards and started strutting again. So I knocked another arrow and I released again. And this time it was going, I thought it was going right for the mark. He flapped his wings and my arrow went flying through the air. So I was over two, kind of had to lick my wounds. The, the next uh, weekend I went out, got on some turkeys again, had everything perfect. Called to the hens. They brought in three big toms. They proceeded to hammer my decoy. I had them. I was filming myself. So I was kind of, they were half in frame, half out. So I let down, got them all in frame drew back and I was concentrating so hard. 
about picking that spot, I released my arrow and it sounded like my bow blew up. I was looking at my bow, looking at my rest. I couldn't figure out what had happened until I looked at the cross beam of the blind and I squared <laughs> up that beam. So my arrow hit the, the beam, broke in half. Then the back end of the arrow flew out, hit a, hit a hen in the back of the head. So I'm thinking to myself, this would be a tough one to tell the game warden that I just killed a hen with the back end of my arrow. But again, it's part of turkey hunting. I've been doing this a long time and I messed up, um, kind of licked my wounds once again and was thinking, you know, golly, you know, this has been a tough year. I went straight back to that same place the next morning and ended up killing one of those birds. So, you know, it's one of those deals, never give up. And no matter how long you've been hunting, you are going to miss and you're going to goof up. And I did it all in one season. (laughs) Nice. I love it. And you know what? I'm right. I'm right there with you too. You know, like there's been so many times where I've messed up or missed a shot and man, it's not easy shooting one with a bow. You've got such a small vital range. And then especially when you add filming to that aspect, it makes it tough. But, you know, when everything it, comes together, it's it's pretty cool. It, it is. And I tell people, I said, one of the, you know, the biggest mistakes I've made over the years is shooting a turkey in the wrong spot. And, again, they're a big bird, but there is a tiny, you're talking the size of your fist or smaller, of the vitals. And so what I tell people, I said, you know, I had made a video one time about it, is that I show the sight pin coming up, and my favorite shot, is I follow the legs up until it hits the crease and you'll see kind of a gold band there, but I'm aiming for the top of the drumsticks and I shoot mechanical broadheads that have the biggest blades possible so that I can crush the top of those um, drumsticks because if a turkey can't fly, he can't get, you know, I mean, if he can't jump, he can't get off the ground. Mm -hmm. And so if you break the top of those legs and and then a lot of times you're going to hit the vitals right behind there. Um, so a lot of times I wait for them to be broadside and I'm aiming at that leg, follow that leg up there. And you really got to aim small to miss small because it, a guy gets pretty excited when these turkeys come in and you think all they got to do is hit him and I'm going to kill him. And sometimes I think that's why a guy should use a shotgun. They're almost made to shoot in the face with a shotgun because then you know you got them. Yep, absolutely. You know, I, I love bow hunting. It's It's my favorite way to hunt, but... There's only one animal that I'd rather shoot with a gun, and that's a turkey. You just yep, you just that. know that, like, you either got them or you don't because you're aiming at the head. No, exactly. And then what I've learned, too, is filming is, like, it. I had a, a friend of mine give me a couple turkey kills from last year, and they were all with a shotgun. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's a heck of a lot more exciting to see them um, with their head just getting smacked with a shotgun <laughs> than when you hear the thunk of um, – you know, your arrow hitting them, unless you're shooting for their heads, you know, you just don't know if you made the right shot. And again, I'm going to keep hunting them with my bow, but I'm hoping to get another license somewhere else so that I can take the shotgun out and do the same thing. Yep. There you go. Absolutely. So, all right, John, well, thank you so much for your time and your expertise and your storytelling. It's uh, you know, it's been a great segment. I appreciate it. And uh, you know, best of luck this upcoming Turkey season. Well, thank you very much, Mike, and I appreciate it. Like I said, I don't know how much of an expert I am, but I sure love turkey hunting, so I'm just going to keep plugging away, and I'm sure I'm going to make a few more mistakes, but I'm going to have fun doing it.
Yep, absolutely. And just take every one of those mistakes as a learning experience. Absolutely, buddy. Well, thank you once again. I appreciate everything. All right. Thank you, sir. You just heard our conversation with John Arman of the North Dakota TV show Ultimate Outdoor Adventures on turkey hunting. The season's right around the corner, so if you need any equipment, head on over to your local Shields store or visit us online at shields.com to get yourself ready for the season. If you're looking for additional turkey hunting information, make sure to head to the Shields Outdoors YouTube channel where we have a playlist set up dedicated to turkey hunting where myself and fellow expert Ben Flyshecker document the entire process from virtual scouting to boots on the ground scouting to decoy and blind setups, all the way to even taking those trophy photos to capture that moment for a lifetime. That link's posted in the description of this podcast, so make sure to check out all that awesome information to help you fill a tag this season. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening, and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.